Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We are live this morning, and it's nice to have you with us. We are looking at, what's the temperature here? Um, I wanted to get <laughs> get a fair reading because it was kind of cool. Well, it's up to 70 now, but it was low 60s last night. So there you go. If you guys are here vacationing, I uh, bet you don't see that too much in the winter up there. I used to have to get up at f- somewhere between 5 and 5.30, go out and start um, shoveling snow off my car, sometimes the driveway, and getting it uh, kind of ready because I had to get up, get to work, and a long drive by 7. So I always remember those freezing cold winter mornings. Anyway, I thought we'd look at this day in history uh, for February 4th. Now, this was the day that we had some sad things happen with uh, celebrities. This was the day that Liberace dies of AIDS. 1987, a 67-year-old dies from pneumonia as a result of AIDS. First major celebrity to die from the disease. And uh, he had been diagnosed a year and a half earlier. And so, mm, interesting how people have... Well, people that fall into sin of any kind, there's consequences. Uh, Karen Carpenter dies of anorexia. 1983, she had been battling that for quite a while. She had been hospitalized in 1982, a year previous to that. She was on heart medication. She was, uh, she was on thyroid medication. Anyway, she, um, she thought she looked fat, so she started dieting herself, and it, and it caused... Um, her heart to fail. Well, on the more positive side, St. Jude's Hospital is opened on this day in 1962, which were helping kids with cancer that needed help, and it was uh, totally funded, I believe, if I remember anybody could go. And on this day, George Washington was elected president on 1789. With 100% of the electoral vote, he was the first and only president to do so. 100% electoral vote. Interesting. Mm, Let's see. I think that should be it. First Winter Olympics held in the U.S. 1932. That was a long time ago. Let's jump over and see if we got anything interesting in the new dad jokes and seeing what they got here. Let's see. This is just dumb. What's black and cool and stands in the forest? A deer in a leather jacket. <laughs> I don't know why they put that one in there. Mm. A waiter came to me at Pizza Hut yesterday and said, I see you have an empty glass there. Would you like another? I don't know what's wrong with these people. What would I do with two empty glasses? <laughs> That'd be something I'd be likely to say to the waiter. But in love, of course. All right. We will go over to the reading today, which we have in Genesis 43. So please open your Bibles. 
if you're not driving. And let's look at Genesis 43. Father God, thank you for this morning and bringing us together. We, uh, we just covet this time. We thank you for it and ask that you would bless it now as we listen, God, to the things that you wrote to your prophets from heaven for our benefit and our gain. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 43, we are at that time where Joseph is there with his brothers. Now the famine was severe in the land, so it came about when they had finished eating the grain which they had brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, Go back, buy us a little food. Judah spoke to him, however, saying, The man solemnly warned us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you do not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You will not see my face unless your brother is with you. Then Israel said, Why did you treat me so badly by telling the man whether you still had another brother? But they said, The man questioned particularly about us and our relatives, saying, Is your father still alive? Have you another brother? So we answered his questions. Could we possibly know that he would say, bring your brother down? So Judah said to his father Israel, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die. We as well as you and our little ones, I myself will be surety for him. and You may hold me responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame before you forever. For if we had not delayed, surely by now we could have returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags. Carry down to the men as a present a little balm, a little honey, aromatic gum and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and arise, return to the man. And may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of the man so that he will release you, your other brother, and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So the men took the present and they took double the money in their hand and Benjamin then they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. Verse 16. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his house steward, Bring the men into the house and slay an animal and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon. So the man did as Joseph said and brought the men into Joseph's house. Now the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house, and they said, It is because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time that we are being brought in, that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for slaves with our donkeys. So they came near to Joseph's house steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. And he said, Oh, my Lord, we indeed came down the first time to buy food. And it came about that when we came to the lodging place that we opened our sacks and behold, each man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full. So we have brought back in our hand and we have also brought down other money in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put the money in our sacks. He said, Be at ease. Do not be afraid. Your God 
and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sack. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And the men brought the men to Joseph's house and gave them water, and they washed their feet and gave their donkeys fodder. So they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they had heard that they were to eat a meal there. When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present which was in their hand and bowed to the ground before him. Then he asked them about their welfare. Is your old father well, of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? And they said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. They bowed down in homage. As he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, he said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, May God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph hurried out for he was deeply stirred over his brother, and he sought a place to weep, and he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out and controlled himself and said, Serve the meal. So they served him by himself and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is loathsome to the Egyptians. Now, they were seated before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in astonishment. He took portions to them from his own table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. So they feasted and drank freely with him. Then he commanded his house steward, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest and his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph had told him. As soon as it was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys, just as they had gone out from the city and were far off. When Joseph said to his house steward, Up, follow the men, and when you overtake them, Say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this one from which my Lord drinks and which he indeed uses for divination? You have done wrong in doing this. So he overtook them and spoke these words to them. And they said to him, Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money which we found in the mouth of the sacks we have brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? With whomever of your servants is found, let him die. And we also will be my Lord's slaves. And he said, Now let it be so according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my slave, and the rest of you shall be innocent. Then they hurried, each man lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack. He searched, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and when each man loaded his donkey, they returned to the city. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there, and they fell to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What is this deed that you have done? Do you not know 
that such a man as I can indeed practice divination? So Judas said, What can we say, my Lord? And what can we speak? And how can we justify ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Behold, we are your Lord's slaves, both we and the one in whose possession the cup has been found. But he said, Far be it for me to do this, the man in whose possession the cup has been found. He shall be my slave. But as for you, go, go in peace to your father. Then Judah approached him and said, O my Lord, may your servant please speak a word in my Lord's ears and do not be angry with your servant, for you are equal to Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have you a father or a brother? We said to my Lord, We have an old father and a little child of his old age. Now his brother is dead, so he alone is left of his mother and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, that I may set eyes on him. But we said to my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. You said to your servants, however, unless the youngest brother comes down to you, you will not see my face again. Thus it came about, when we went up to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. My father said, Go back, buy a little food. But we said, We cannot go down. If our younger brother is with us, then we will go down, for we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons, and the one went out from me, and and I said, Surely he is torn into pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm befalls him, you will bring my gray hairs down to Sheol in sorrow. Now, therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, when he sees that the lad is not with us, he will die. Thus your servant will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in sorrow. For your servant became surety for the lad uh, to my father, saying, I, if I do not bring him back to you, then let me bear the blame before my father forever. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad, a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me? For fear that I shall see the evil that would overtake my father. Chapter 45. Then Joseph could not control himself before those who stood by him, and he cried, have everyone go out from me, said so there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me, and they came closer and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there is still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. 
and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord over all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. And you shall live in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me. You and your children, and your children's children, and your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. There I will also provide for you, for there is still five years of famine to come, and you and your household and all that you have will would be impoverished. Behold, your eyes see, and your eyes of your brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. Now you must tell my father all of my splendor in Egypt and all that you have seen, and you must hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept on them, and afterward his brothers talked with him. So when the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brothers had come, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this, load your beasts, and go to the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat of the fat of the land. Now you are ordered, do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives, and bring your father and come. Do not concern yourself with your goods, for the best of the land of Egypt is yours. Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them he gave changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. To his father he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and sustenance for his family on the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the journey. Then they went up from Egypt, and they came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. They told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and indeed he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But he was stunned, for he did not believe them. And when they told him all the words of Joseph that he had spoken to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, his spirit, the spirit of his father Jacob revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go down to see him before I die. <laughs> the first thought that came to my mind reading that at the end is going, I wonder if the brothers ever fessed up to their dad and said it was us that sold him into slavery. Kind of doubt it, huh? Probably didn't want to make anything worse. <laughs> bring one blessing and then realize that they were the they were the cause of his of his sorrow for so many years well it's one of the most phenomenally beautiful stories in the bible just fun he is a type of the messiah here as jesus is in the new testament joseph here after being essentially sold being um rejected by his brothers. See, Jesus was rejected by the Jews, his brothers, and sold into slavery, so to speak. He was, you know, given over to the Romans. He was betrayed. And um, 
And of course they went and took him to the cross and killed him. But when he resurrected, he what did he do? He forgave them. He forgave them from the cross. Joseph here is sent before the their brothers are sent into the world to save the world. He's a beautiful model of the Savior here, how he is bringing the bread of life to the world that was slowly starving to death. And they needed someone. They needed a deliverer. They needed a Savior. And God sent him into Egypt, the type of the world, to save what he said, to save and so that they would not perish. And specifically, you see, his focus was there. He also wanted his heart was to save his own Jewish brothers and family there in Canaan. So there's a lot of typology that goes on in this. But, of course, he is human. It is a real story. And so when they first came down, he doesn't trust them. He wants to know, did their hearts change? Are they still the same? Are they going to treat Benjamin the same way they treat me? And try and off him and get rid of him. So he, you know, devises this test and sees how they're going to treat each other, even how they treat Simeon. They didn't treat Simeon well. I guess that was Jacob. You know, they abandoned him. He's been there for months, perhaps, because they use up, they eat up all their food supplies. They could have gone there to Egypt and back twice. So he was there for months. And, but when Benjamin comes down, of course, the double portion of food and triple portion of food they he wants to see how they react are they jealous still are they the, are they always trying are they treat him harshly but when he hears finally hears that judah had laid his own life down for that young son for benjamin and said i'll take his sentence lay it on me he realized now that and he listens to them also speak he realized that they they had felt badly for what they had done they had regretted what they had done selling their brother and they knew they were under God's judgment. So this is when he breaks down and we see this phenomenal reunion. We see forgiveness, which is offered freely from the heart of Joseph, who does not, does not hold bitterness against his brothers, which did him wrong. I mean, a big, big, big way, but instead he embraces them. He forgives them and invites them to come what into his kingdom. Again, this is more typology. He's inviting them. You are of my family. This is my kingdom and all that is mine. I will make available to you. Come on. Come on down. Come on over and let me take care of you. For I have abundance. And he has abundance in his kingdom. So there's wonderful, wonderful typology for Joseph here. And of course, Jacob's heart is revived because he now gets to go back and see his son. And there's much more we could go into that and look into that. It's, one, it's a very fun study when you're going through this, but we'll move on to Matthew. Matthew 22. On that day, some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and questioned him, saying, Teacher, Moses said if a man dies having no children, his brother as next of kin, may marry his wife and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers with us, and the first married and died, and having no children, he left his wife to his brother, and also the second and the third to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife of the seven will she be? For all had married her. And Jesus answered and said to them, 
you are mistaken, not understanding the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. And he said to them, then how does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one was able to answer a word, nor did anyone dare from that day on to ask him another question. Jesus is standing up between the religious liberals and the religious um, orthodox, probably be a best way to put it, would be my guess. The Sadducees were extremely liberal in what they believed. Didn't believe in the resurrection. Didn't really believe in angels. Uh, they didn't believe in miracles. They were those kind of people that we have that claim to be Christians today and even pastors and stuff that um, everything is dry and dull. They don't, uh, like I said, we've given those st statistics before. They don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in the virgin birth. They don't really believe in miracles. They don't believe in the millennium. They don't believe, it just goes on and on and on. And yet they have churches and they have full churches, many of them. And they sing their hymns and they do their little, um, their little homilies, their little speeches, and that's about it. Their feel-good sermons, that kind of stuff. They have the question about the woman being married. They're trying to trap him. Well, if all these men have it, and it's by the law, you, you know, she can only be married to one. Well, you got a problem, Jesus, because she was married to seven in heaven. How are you going to fix that? Because they are, they're, they're really teasing them in one sense, going, well, you guys are so dumb with this, this whole uh, resurrection thing, and um, you have a problem. And he's saying, no, we don't, because you don't know your Bible. You don't know the Word of God, nor the power of God. There is no marriage in heaven. End of argument. Now, when he says they are neither, they neither marry or are given in marriage, this is the main scripture that everybody wants to use to argue against Genesis 6, that it would be impossible for the angels to come down and have relations with, with the daughter of Ben and these giants to be born. But that scripture does not say that they cannot eat or they cannot um, 
cook food or do anything else that humans do. He's saying the institution of marriage is not given in heaven. There is a difference in all ways when the angels appear on earth. They they have um, they're able to to <laughs> eat. Just unfortunately, we got to f- follow some biology here, which isn't always pleasant to to think about. But if they can eat, that means they have to eliminate the food. They can drink water, so they are able to eliminate the 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 liquid and the fluid. So therefore, they had functioning human bodies. Let's just say it that way, and therefore. There's not a there's not a solid scriptural argument to say they could not reproduce. This scripture on its own is not evidence that they cannot reproduce. It just means that they did not marry because they was there was not a need. Now, people say that's because they didn't need to reproduce, and that's the only thing marriage was about. But this is um, it's a it's a weak argument. That's all. I'll just say this: a weak argument. There's more scriptural evidence to believe that they did come down and have offspring, which were giants, than than not. So keep that in mind. Also, the 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 rest of the arguments where he's going with the Pharisees. Love. Um, what's the greatest commandment? That's a good question. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and uh, and your neighbor as yourself. This Jesus adds that that last part. The, to love, to, to keep the whole law, you were to keep it with your heart emotionally, with your soul, which, which was your, your, your will. You choose to follow. This is an act of your will and your mind with your intelligence. So all the, the, that, the, not the, the mortal trinity of within your body, the trinity of your mind, your soul, and, and, and your, um, heart and those that should all of you all all whatever makes up you all of that you love the lord your god and when that you love your neighbor because god commands us to love other people as he loves them if you love god jesus said, if you love me you'll you'll love them if you follow me if you obey me then go out and, and be loving to others we have this all through the new testament so we'll move on. Charles Spurgeon, I will return. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, John fourteen eighteen. That's a great scripture verse. The circle in your Bible or to put in the cover of your, your Bible. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, fourteen eighteen. He left us, and yet we are not left orphans. He is our comfort, and he is gone. But we are not comfortless. Our comfort is that he will come to us. And this is consolation enough to sustain us through his prolonged absence. Jesus is already on his way. He says, I come quickly. He rides post haste towards us. He says, I will come and none can prevent his coming. Or put it back for a quarter of an hour. He specially says, I will come to you. And so he will. His coming is specially to and for his own people. This is meant to be their present comfort while they mourn that the bridegroom doth not yet appear. When we lose the joyful sense of his presence, we mourn. 
but we may not sorrow as if there was no hope. Our Lord, in a little wrath, has hid himself from us for a moment, but he will return in full favor. He leaves us in a sense, but only in a sense. When he withdraws, he leaves a pledge behind that he will return. O Lord, come quickly. There is no life in this earthly existence if thou be gone. We sigh for the return of the sweet smile. When wilt thou come unto us? We are sure thou wilt appear. But be thou like a roe or a young heart, make no tarrying, O our God. Well, amen. Yeah, thank you, Joanne. Amen to that. He is coming. And though he tarry, he does come. And we know he's coming. And our heart can take comfort in that. And that's important because we do see a lot of things going on in the world right now. A lot of scary stuff, a lot of strange stuff going on. But we can take heart and we can rejoice and we know that he has everything under control. So even in the midst of whatever is going on, let's keep that in mind and keep trusting him today. Father, we thank you for this morning and for your love for us. And we thank you for those that you are touching, those that you are healing, and um, the mighty things you're doing, the phenomenally powerful things you're doing, bringing people to a knowledge of who you are as Lord and Savior. So we thank you for that. We thank you for the work that you are doing uh, amongst your people. Thank you for the evangelism team that went out on Thursday night and had a wonderful time ministering to people and touching people's lives and and um, many of them coming to a, a deeper understanding of who you are. So pray for those that were touched yesterday. I want to pray just real briefly for um, Ulysses and Jonathan, a young homosexual um, couple who heard the gospel and they received a tract. So we want to pray that your word will touch them, God. And, and what a wonderful thing that they sat there and listened. And what a wonderful thing that the evangelism team would, were able to love them and share the gospel with them and help them see that we're all sinners and that there's a way to your, to your throne through the cross. So thank you for Victor, an adult that has strayed away from the church and um, and has just been kind of lost. We received encouragement from the evangelism team. And so we ask you to, to bless him, and he may come and visit us. So we just ask you, guide Victor. We pray for young Alejandro, who received the Lord in a New Testament. That's great, God. Thank you for, for touching Alejandro's life. We pray his, his prayer of repentance and was real, that you continue to minister to him and also bring him in to, to church. And for young Ruby's salvation, who heard the under, and understood the gospel, and but is not ready to leave um, leave their sin. So pray for Ruby, who hopefully God will be thinking about what she heard during this night of evangelism. So pray, bless those people. God, help them come to a fullness of the realization of you as Lord and Savior. And we pray for those that are struggling and sick. Our friend uh, Samuel Popper down in Africa, who loves to write beautiful psalms and is always writing encouraging things. God has uh, the chicken pox and is very sick. And may you um, heal him and bring him back to fullness, God, in his life and other people that are struggling with their illnesses as well.
touch their lives and heal them. Certainly Kevin with his lungs that has been very serious and leave with their headaches and um, and all those with cancer, God, that are going through their, their treatments may continue to heal and bless and encourage them in their walk with you. Thank you for those coming to church and a special blessing tomorrow, God, as we're in our high season, that those, even the tourists that are have never really firmly established a walk with you, even though they may have been going to church for years, may you touch them, draw them in, and make us all servants, God, eager to serve, happy, joyful, and may our lives be fully surrendered so that we can love you with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind, and then guide us, God, to love our neighbors as ourselves. In Jesus' name. Thank you, guys. So tomorrow, we will see you. It's exciting to always see you guys in service. It's always good to see everybody, but it's it's nice to see you who are on vacation, and you're only here once a year, so that's encouraging, and it's nice that you're coming back every year. It's so fun to see everyone again. It's just a blessing. It's like a family reunion. So tomorrow, we have Genesis 46, 47, and 48, and Matthew 23, half of Matthew 23, 1 through 22. So please be looking at those, read those, and if you like, check out the podcast. We'll have one out on those chapters very soon. So God bless you, and we will see you tomorrow. Keep looking up. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.